0: Hello Tallahassee, this is the Gospel on the Radio Talk Show. It's good to be with you at 6 o'clock in the morning instead of 7. I'm getting used to it. I believe this is our third show. And uh, I I believe that as we go through the next few weeks, I I need to explain to you if you've joined us at 6 o'clock in the morning, you never heard of the gospel on the radio talk show before. It's because you've been listening at six instead of seven. Well, we've been on this station now for uh, right at 12 years. But uh, uh, we've been moved to an earlier hour, and so we're adjusting to it. Uh, I say this is a show about dreams and visions and a church triumphant, alive and well, We talk about the kingdom of God, the body of Christ, and we interview people, and sometimes we just talk. And uh, as it is, when I am in the studio with just me, and I don't have a guest here, I play you a lot of music, a lot of gospel music, because I'm a lover of Southern gospel music. But welcome. And of course, I always love to hear from the radio audience, if you want to Call me sometime and just uh, chat about radio or whatever's on your mind, 567-1703. My email address is pastorjlking at yahoo.com. I always love to hear from the radio audience. I do have a few rules. I don't talk sports or politics or doctrine, but I always speak well of one another, and that's the way we've done it all this time. This is... a. Uh, A time to celebrate and rejoice and give God glory and praise for all of his goodness. This is show number 989 that we've done so far. And uh, oftentimes when I come to you on Sunday morning, I've got something on my mind. And this just gives me an opportunity to talk about it and uh, get us kind of thinking about things and maybe even uh, getting some information out there. I'm big on information, especially if it affects the church because really that's the basic concept of what we're about. We're about the church. I am a pastor, a pastor of Freedom Road Christian Ministry. We're located at 720 Capital Circle Northeast in a storefront there. We moved over there about uh, six years ago and moved from our property on 8th Avenue. And, uh, and of course, we love visitors. Come worship with us. We start at 1105. You can check us out on the web, frcm.us, and uh, come out and visit with us. But as a pastor, my uh, deep concern is about the faith, and about uh, believing, and about the maturity of the church, the growing of the church, the relationship of the church to our society. And basically, how can the church be a blessing to society and to all the world? Because that's the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why God said that He said His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's the very heart of God, the welfare of humanity and that the reality that when uh, a human's life is finished here on this earth, that he steps over into the next part of living and that is eternity forever in heaven with God. And so the desire of uh, the church is to help people to obtain eternal life in heaven. And so as we View life, that is our perspective, and as I began this show, let's see now, 2002 is when I did the first Gospel on the Radio uh, broadcast, of course, back in those days, it was called the Gospel on the Radio Saturday Show, because we did them live on uh, 1330 AM, WCVC, uh, for four or three years there, and then, of course... uh, then here and uh, just talking about the gospel and talking about the church and, and uh, how we can be a blessing. So I watch society and uh, this the old uh, uh, soap opera, I don't know if it's still around or not, called As the World Turns. <laughs> and, uh, I haven't watched a soap opera in years, but uh, As the World Turns, because it does, Every day, it's, it's going through its cycle. And uh, one of the things that I observe is that uh, America, we really are a big family. Now, I know, I know we're diverse. We have different opinions, and we fuss, and we argue with one another. I, did, if you watch the vice presidential debate the other night. And of course, uh, you've probably already made up your mind, oh yes, yes, this person won, that person won. Well, that's not what we do here on this broadcast. We don't make those kind of decisions, but we just watch and observe. And uh, I thought that the way Vice President Pence handled the question that was given to him, and it was given to both of the candidates, about the the little girl who wrote the letter, and she said, why is it that the candidates are all fussing and arguing and saying all these things about one another? And Vice President Pence, I just, I just thought his response was just wonderful. He said to her, he says, this is what we do in America. We, we love our politics. And we go to the opposite extremes. And I'm old enough now. I've gone through enough uh, election uh, uh, times that I've, I've seen how it works. And oh, I'm telling you what, it's, it's black and blue. Uh, they bloody one another up because they, as their expression is politics is a blood sport. <laughs> I think there's a lot of truth to that. But he said, this is what we do in America because we believe in freedom and we believe in free choice. And then when it's all over, we come together as Americans and we go forward. And I just thought that was a great response to her because it, that's the way it is. It's true. We, we get into our politics and uh, sometimes you, just, you listen to some of it and you go, I can't believe what I'm hearing. But it goes on. So, we have an election coming up, and I've often referred to it as being the the silly season. Everybody gets a little crazy uh, every four years, and of course, we also have the midterms, and that's crazy too. But the election that's coming up this time, uh, some very important things that affects the church and that's why I'm I'm bringing it up because it's related to the church and that is our Supreme Court. Now, I know that most of you know everything there is about politics and about uh, how the country works. You know about the legislative branch and the executive branch and the judicial branch and they are designed by the founders of this country. They are designed to... Cause uh, friction among them, and it, and it, and I know that sounds tra- strange, but it really it, it's true that all of these three branches of government are designed to slow things down so that we don't make rash decisions, and we we ply our way through these things. But as it has developed, as America has developed we've placed the Supreme Court as to be the ultimate decision. I don't know that that was the way it was planned in the beginning, but that's what's happened. That when the Supreme Court makes a ruling, that's it, or it would seem that way, unless somewhere along the line that ruling gets overturned. But sometimes that can take a lifetime. And uh, uh, if you are familiar with the Dred Scott decision, back in the 1800s, that was terrible legislation. And eventually, it was overturned. But it was a long time and a lot of harm done. And of course, for uh, in a more modern history, uh, for those of us who are uh, believers and we believe in, in life and the sanctity of life, the the Roe versus Wade, a uh, horrible decision, literally to, to license uh, murder. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. And you say, well, Pastor King, I thought you didn't get into politics. I don't. That's not politics. That's life. We're the church. This is the church, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We believe in life. Jesus said, I come to give you life and life more abundant." And so we're opposed to death. We're opposed to murder. So we have nine justices on the Supreme Court. We have nine seats, let's put it that way. Right now we only have eight on the bench. And uh, um, that's a whole lot of what this election has become about because there's going to be an appointment Uh, either before this term is over or before the next term. And then whoever wins the next term will very possibly, and I don't mean to wish any ill on anybody, but you've got uh, Justice Breyer, who was born in uh, 1938. That means he's 82 years of age. So we don't know. Uh, Samuel Alito was born in 1950. He's 70 years of age. Uh, Chief Justice Roberts was born in 1955. He's 65 years of age. And so, another four years, it's possible that there could be another uh, appointment to the bench. And as we look at these different ones, and I'll go over them in just a little bit, that I'll tell you who they are, a little bit about them, their ages, and philosophies. We'll share all these with you in just a little bit. But you understand why the stakes become so high. Because, well, what happens on that court affects the church. And the people who attend our churches, it affects our lives. And, uh, of course, we go through these... um, Confirmation hearings, which hasn't always been, but it's been in recent history. And sometimes these things becomes uh, quite a spectacle. And so we watch and we observe. Those of us who are, who, I mean, I'm not on the Supreme Court. I have no plans to ever be on one and couldn't be if I wanted to. But I do watch and observe and. Again, my my heart is toward the church and how it affects us as Christian believers. Today, we're talking about uh, the Supreme Court and how it affects the church. And you say, well, Pastor King, how does the Supreme Court affect the church? Now, let's talk about just recent history. We had governments who stepped into the church and said, you're going to have to shut down. And I know, I, even what I'm saying is controversial to many of you. You go, well, of course you had to shut down. We had this virus out there. <laughs> and my thought is simply this, as I look back in history, thinking about some of the preachers that I knew back in the day, I guarantee you, They would not have shut their churches down. And I don't know whether there's anybody that's taking the government on about this or not or whether this will ever um, come before the Supreme Court, but it needs to. And uh, I, as a pastor, I never shut my church down, not even one Sunday And uh, I thought to myself, uh, well, I may end up going to jail over this thing, but I'm not going to shut down. I told my congregation, I said, you make up your own mind. I'm going to be there on Sunday. If you want to come, you come. Some of them did. Some of them didn't. But it's their choice to make. And uh, fortunately, in the state of Florida, our governor said churches were essential. And I do believe that, and I agree with that. But in some states, they were just absolutely shut down and and arrested and fined. Well, again, we're talking about the highest court in the land. And if this ever comes before the court, I want to know who's there that could possibly make these decisions. So let's look at them. We've got John Glover Roberts, Jr., He is from uh, Buffalo, New York, born uh, uh, 1955, 65 years of age, and uh, he attended Harvard, and he was appointed by George W. Bush in 2005, and I remember that, and uh, I remember uh, the whole championing that this is going to be a great pick because he was considered to be conservative, But yet, his rulings have been very disappointing in my estimation of it. But uh, then we've got uh, Clarence Thomas from Savannah, Georgia, and uh, born in 1948. He's 72 years of age, College of the Holy Cross, and attended Yale Law School. Was appointed in 1991 uh, with much controversy. (laughs) Um, Well, if you were around in 1991, you remember it because that was that was the first. Well, actually, he wasn't the first one to get uh, taken through that process in in such a way, but uh, it was it was pretty bad. He is a conservative, and uh, in my estimation, the most conservative of all the judges. On the uh, Supreme Court, and uh, um, to me, he, he serves the court well. But that's that's my opinion. Stephen uh, G. Breyer uh, appointed by President Clinton in 1994, born San Fran- uh, born in San Francisco, California, in 1938. He is the oldest justice on the court at this time at 80. 80- years of age, Oxford University and Harvard Law School, and uh, from the information that I got from the internet, he is considered to be a, a moderate, and uh, you can put your own interpretation to that, exactly what a, what a moderate is. Then we have Samuel Alito, Jr. He was appointed by uh, George W. Bush. Uh, Clarence Thomas was appointed by his father, the uh, Bush Senior, H.W. Bush. Uh, Justice Alito was appointed in in 2006. Uh, He was from Trenton, New Jersey, born in 1950, and he's 70 years of age Going to went to Princeton and Yale Law School, and he is listed as being a conservative. Sonia Sotomayor, a uh, Mayar. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't mean to mispronounce her name. Uh, appointed 2009 by, and uh, let's see, the Bronx, New York. That's where she's from, and that was 1954. And she is 66 years of age. She went to Princeton and Yale Law School. Elena Kagan, uh, born in New York City, went to Oxford and Harvard Law School, was born in 1960, and so she is 60 years of age. and was appointed by Barack Obama. And uh, Neil M. Gorsuch, and he, she, he was appointed in 2017, born in Denver, Colorado in 1967. He's 53 years of age, appointed by Donald Trump, and he is listed as being a constitutional originalist uh, from Columbia, attended Columbia University and Harvard Law School. Brent M. Kavanaugh, appointed in 2018 by Donald Trump, and born in Washington, D.C. in 1965. He is 55 years of age, attended Yale and Yale Law School, and is listed as being a conservative. So that's the ones that are on the bench at this time. We just uh, lost uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. She just died just recently. She was a Clinton appointee. Born in Brooklyn, New York in 1933. So she was 87 years of age when she died. And uh, her philosophy, according to the material that I got from the Internet, she believed in a living constitutional, considered to be liberal. Also, uh, Elena Kagan, considered to be liberal, and Sonia Sotomayor. So there you go. That's the makeup as it is now. So we are in the midst of a new appointment to make it back to the nine. Question is, will this appointment be made during this administration or will it go over into the next administration? From everything that I hear and understand, uh, there's a or an appointment been made, uh, not confirmed, but the efforts seem to be to have her confirmed, Uh, before this term is out. We'll see about all of that. This is the Gospel on the Radio Talk Show. I'm Pastor Jack King, and I am just delighted to spend some time with you here on a Sunday morning. Thank you for tuning in. I have become aware that uh, many folks who are Listening to this show this time of morning, you are on your way to work or you just got off work and you're on your way home and you tuned in to some sports radio and well, you get me instead. But I hope that you'll stay with me and uh, we'll learn a few things here today. We've been talking about the Supreme Court and just a reminder, I don't do politics here on the show because to me this is not politics, this is live especially as it affects your life and my life and the church. And uh, anything that affects the church to me is, is fair game for me to talk about here on the show because I, I, I believe in the church. And uh, one of the things that uh, has come up in the new appointee to the Supreme Court, her name is Amy Coney Barrett, and she was born in 1972. She's 46 years of age, and she is currently circuit judge of the U.S. Court of Appeals in the Seventh Circuit. So she is a sitting judge and has that experience and that background and has been confirmed. So she's gone through the confirmation process already so i don't know uh, I, I i guess it's important that we go through all of that again but nevertheless it's going to happen whether we want to do or not so she is uh Rhodes college seven children and uh well, that's that's unusual for a uh, sitting judge. And, of course, if she becomes confirmed as a Supreme Court, that'll be rather unique. She is the fifth woman, or if, she, or if she's selected, and um, she'll be the fifth woman to serve on the court. And she'll be the youngest since Clarence Thomas was appointed. So that gives you some... Uh, a little bit of background, a little bit of information about her. And the uh, website that I went to to find information really didn't give me much more than what I've shared with you today. But one of the things that uh, I've heard on the news is that there seems to be some concern about her faith. And of course, when the... When that comes out, that's that's like a red flag to me when it comes down to talking about somebody's faith, that has to do with the church. That comes under uh, my topic here because we talk about the church here on the gospel, on the radio talk show. Now, from what I understand, she's Catholic and very uh, much involved in her, I guess uh, in the Catholic faith would be her parish and uh She has no uh, problems expressing her faith in God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, uh, uh, as we would say in the faith, she's a born-again believer. And it has been expressed that her putting her faith out there is detrimental in some way, whatever. But uh, being a person who is of faith a preacher of the gospel. See, I understand that uh, when I do something in my life or I live my life, I don't live it just into myself. I serve a higher power. And I seek wisdom from above. And uh, it's just like I'm a, I'm a businessman. And so I go out and uh, I earn my living. And I work for people. And uh, I always say this. I said, if I'm uh, out there working and my heart's desire is to make sure that what I do here not just pleases the customer that I work for, but I'm serving a higher power, I want when the Lord looks down at my work, He'll say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. So that's my heart. That's my concept. And I believe this would be hers as well. So if she... In her deliberations and, and judgments and making decisions and casting her vote, if she is one who says, "Well, I want to serve a higher power, that I would find that uh, uh, everybody else is going to be well satisfied because that's the way we are as Christians. We, we believe in a higher power. And as for me, to have somebody that knows how to pray, my goodness. I consider that to be a, a bonus because I said this, uh, I think, last week when we got our guest here on the show. I said, look, when, uh, when I have people who lead me in government or even uh, in any aspect of life, I want to know, can they get a hold of God? Because sometimes down here in this life, we need answers. And uh, sometimes we need them from a higher power. This is the Gospel on the Radio Talk Show. I'm Pastor Jack King. I, I'm the host, and, uh, well, we getting used to our new time. It's 6 o'clock in the morning from 6 to 7, and uh, thank you for tuning in. We've been talking about this appointment to the Supreme Court, and, of course, we've been talking about the court itself, and uh, some of the things that... Uh, are going to be decided, possibly, by this court. And one of the things is, is this election may end up before the court. See, when you get older, and uh, I've gotten a little older, I've got lots of gray hair. Actually, I've passed gray. It's, it's white now. And uh, I remember the year 2000. Yes, siree. And see, the thing about it is if you are 20 years of age, uh, either you were just born or you weren't born, you don't even remember this. But this was, I mean, a big deal. The election of 2000, the hanging chads, and all that stuff that went on down in South Florida. Because see, it was all about the contention about the electoral votes for the state of Florida. It was Albert Gore uh, versus uh, George W. Bush and the truth of the matter is that if, if Mr. Gore had just won his home state of Tennessee in the seven electoral votes there, or electoral, <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> the seven electoral votes there, he would have been president. But they were fighting over Florida. And I remember watching uh, as the returns come in, and they, they were showing uh uh, Mr. Bush up in his hotel suite up there and they, and they pronounced Florida is going to Gore before the polls had closed in West Florida. And I saw George W. Bush jump up and uh, I'm afraid he might have said a few choice words in that process. And he went and got on the phone and after a little while they reversed it. And then the night went on and I I've said and I watched it and kept waiting for them to make a call they never did they never did they never did I had to go into town to, to do some radio and I was away from the TV and radio and I remember I was on my way home on Connor Boulevard listening on the radio and they they called it for George W. Bush in the wee hours of the morning and then later they reversed it again. And then for the next several days, the nation waited. And we waited. And I remember where I was, standing on the platform here at the uh, building on 8th Avenue, the Upper Bible Church, working on uh, uh, putting uh, the props and stuff up for a play that we were going to do when I heard the final announcement come over the radio that they the Supreme Court had stepped in and had called it for George W. Bush. And, of course, that's still controversial to these days. Uh, to this day, people say, well, they stole the, all that stuff. <laughs> well, it's very possible that we may be back there again. You know, we don't know. We don't know. Paul say this. Paul say that. We don't know. And uh, we've got all the... Uh, Uh, issues about the balloting and the mail-in ballots and all that stuff, it may end up being back before this court for this election. So as it affects the church, yeah, the Supreme Court has a lot to say. Uh, Finish it up here. Concerning the Supreme Court and how it affects us. We talked about this election very possibly may end up before the Supreme Court. Of course, the issue of abortion, we don't know. I mean, uh, now, supposedly, you'll have four conservatives and four who are not so conservative, but then again, some of the conservatives really haven't been all that conservative, so I don't know, but... The issue of abortion may come back before the court, and of course, it'll be very controversial either way it goes. And then, this whole thing about the rules of voting, and a lot of the states have decided at the last minute here to start changing voting laws, and and so many uh, cases have already been filed at the lower courts. And... uh, It's very possible that some of these are, maybe they'll bunch them together some way or another, and this may come back before the Supreme Court. And so I'm just giving you a perspective of how this affects all of us, and those of us who are the church, it affects the church, it affects our lives. And then uh, we're in the year of the census and whenever the census takes place, then there's redistricting. And so that's always controversial. <laughs> and uh, lots of time and energy will be spent drawing up the different districts. And, of course, the districts has to do with the Congress and seats and how that they are bent. Toward one uh, political persuasion or the other, and it becomes another very important thing that that very possibly may end up before this court. So it's all relevant. (laughs) It really is. Now, you say, Well, Pastor King, you told us all of this. Now, what are we supposed to do? Well, we do what we do best. We're the church. Jesus said that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. He said, we are a mighty institution. And what we do best is we bombard the gates of hell and we proclaim the joys of heaven. And we pray. We pray. We pray. Church, this is what we need to do. And I'm not talking about uh Now I lay me down to sleep type of prayer. I'm talking about on our face before God. The word of God tells us that if we seek his face, then he will heal our land. And uh, I think uh, we could use some healing in the land. But you see, I said this not too long ago in, in one of the shows. I'll tell you what, America, we've been through—we've been through a lot. We really have. I mean, you go back. I've said this so many times: that little ragtag army that George Washington put together should have never won that war against the Great British Empire. That—that's not even logical that that happened. But God prevailed. God helped us. God helped us. God took us through the torment and the tearing apart of the Civil War. And uh, somehow or another, we survived that. And here, all these years later, I've got two American flags out on the gate to my property. She still waves, she's still strong. But I believe that we're strong because of our faith. I really do. I believe that. And I believe that the church, the church plays a great role in that. And that uh, we need to do what we do. And that is pray like we've never prayed before. Especially during this period of time. During this time, time when the nation gets a little tense. We need to be the force out there in the front. We need to pray. And we need to pray specifically over these things as a nation. Pray for uh, this appointment to this court. Pray for the president. Pray for the vice president. Pray for our leaders in local government and our state government. Pray for America. Pray, pray, pray pray. Father in heaven, as I come before you this morning, Lord, I pray for America. I pray for my country. I pray, God, that you would reach down and you would speak blessed peace. And Father, you would bring comfort. And Father, that you would lead and guide. And Father, that you would give our leaders Wisdom that would only come from from above. Help us, Father God, in our time of need. Lord God, let your wonderful love be poured out. And give us direction. Help us, Father. Father, we pray for our churches. We pray for our pastors. We pray for our families, oh God. And Lord, to you, be all the glory and all the praise. And Father, we pray for peace in the city of Jerusalem and the nation of Israel. And all these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And until next Sunday morning, may the Lord bless you.